0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the University of Washington's ThriveCast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today I'm joined by Rob Lenny. Rob is a professor of medicine and the chief of the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine. Rob, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Happy to join you, Trish. This is a topic I really like.
0: And the topic is, as hopefully people know because they've tuned in, Um, thinking about an academic development plan and that strategy for success as an academic physician. Um, We're building on a talk that Rob's given at a variety of workshops. And I thought it would be great to have a conversation with you a little bit more about the creation of this academic plan for the future. Um, And I'm gonna have you kind of walk through the process that you recommend, but I'm gonna start off by asking you, I feel like when I've heard you talk about this, you always say this has to be an active process. So maybe you can reflect a little bit on what you mean by that and and why that's so important.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to differentiate active from passive in that I think faculty need to be engaged in their own career development. Um, They can't wait for opportunities just to passively come by and select from those. or expect someone else in leadership to set their career development or pathway for them, they need to be actively involved. And that's what I mean by that.
0: Okay. So let's say we already got the, the folks who are listening, they're buying in, they're being active, they're listening to the podcast and what I've heard you talk through is, is a process of kind of setting um, a plan for the future. And, and before we walk through the steps, my the last question before we walk through those steps is for what time frame are we talking about a plan for next year? Are we talking about a plan for five years, 10 years? What, what, what's your advice to folks in terms of, of their, their mindset as they go about this?
1: Yeah. So in academic medicine, we have careers that are about 30 to 40 years in, in duration. And while I think we need to think about that entire trajectory, 30 to 40 years is a long time and I've been told by somebody that in academics you change your career directions about three times, three to four times during that period. Uh, look at yourself from a fellowship director to an associate medical director to critical care and now uh, a vice dean for faculty affairs. So I think breaking it down into 10 year increments is a reasonable place to start, uh, and then breaking that down further into bite-sized pieces. And we can talk about it as we go through the process of doing this, um, but I think a 10-year plan is a reasonable time horizon, um, and then with some strategies to break it down into smaller pieces.
0: Okay. Um, and I what you said absolutely resonates with me in terms of chunks of career as you delineated, and you gave me a promotion device <laughs> dean, even though I'm associate dean, so I'm I appreciate trying. that now as I well. i can to help with that
1: career development.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so, okay, so let's walk through it. So let's say that I want to start working on this academic development plan. Where do I start? What's, what are the first steps?
1: Okay, so I think the first step is to figure out who you are, what's important to you, what are your personal values, and I think this is going to build the foundation for your career plan. And you want to make sure this foundation is solid because there will be challenges to this career plan along the way. And you want to be confident yourself that you have this foundation, so you don't get not easily knocked off this career trajectory. So, and I think this is the hardest part of this process is um, because at least I don't, a lot of people don't sit down and really think deeply and hard about what it is that's important to each of us. Um, And in in my talk presentation, I have some links, websites you can go to, to help get some words to put more meat on what it is for personal values. Um, So that's the place to start. Um,
0: And do you encourage people to actually sit and like, write or type and and do that? And are you asking people to do that alone or with someone? Can you give me a little more guidance yeah, on that?
1: So I think it's good to write things down because it helps an individual to be accountable to themselves because, and we'll get maybe to a little bit later about what a learning contract is, but this allows you to articulate some of these thoughts and what they are, put them in a drawer pull them out a year later, and make sure that you're adhering to this plan. I think it also helps. It's like writing a grant. It crystallizes your ideas. It puts them down on paper so that now when you have that conversation with a mentor or a supervisor, you can better articulate what it is that you want, what you need. Um, You also asked about Where does mentor play a role in this? Um, You've taught me this. Uh, I think mentoring is a gift, an invaluable gift. And finding somebody who can give you caring, meaningful feedback, not only on your big career trajectory, but each of the little parts that you're going to put together, a sounding board, um, somebody you trust, um, is really important in this process.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's say I start this off, and I do. I often think about these things when I'm out running, and then I come back and I write <laughs> it down. And I've gotten through my kind of delineated and crystallized what those values are. What What's next?
1: Okay. The next step, then, I think, is to think about what your goals are for the next ten years. Uh, a term borrowed from business is a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, which really says don't undershoot, don't underestimate what you can potentially attain. Because if you undershoot, you may get there, but you haven't really reached your full potentials. So one way I encourage people to think about it is envision yourself at your retirement party. What is it that you want people to say about your career Knowing full well that you can't do anything about it then, so you better do something about it now, so that you can then attain those goals that you want to, that you're going to be proud of, and other people will recognize uh, you for your career.
0: Is part of that goal, pro- goal writing process or goal setting process, your your BHAG, but also some smaller interim goals, or how do yep. you do that?
1: Yeah. So I like setting the ten-year goal. Um, And in part of that, also figuring out what tools you need, what skills you need in order to get to those 10-year goals. I'll point out the university has a number of great workshops that you can go to to find out what tools are available to help individual faculty members reach those goals. And once you've got that for the 10-year goal or plan, now break that down into five years through that same process again with your uh writing down what it is that you need where you want to be now break that down to three years go through the same process and eventually get it down to a one-year goal and again that's one you're going to take out on an annual basis you're going to set aside time you're going to protect it on your calendar and that's going to be time that you devote to yourself and your career. It's a selfish time, but really important. And then you're going to go through those articulated goals and skills and ask, how have I done in this past year? Um, and then you're going to refine next year's one-year goal, which may then have ramifications and a ripple effect on your five and 10-year goals.
0: So I heard two really important aspects of what you just said was one was kind of start big and then chunk it back backwards down to smaller and smaller timeframes. frames. Yep. And the second one is actively protect time to think about this and do this activity and, you know, protect it on your calendar or whatever it is so that you really do it and you really are focused on it. Um, Earlier you alluded to this thing that I was going to ask you about, which is a learning contract. Yeah. So um, what's a learning contract? Yeah.
1: So I think a learning contract is largely what we've already been talking about. It's uh, a contract with yourself that articulates what your goals and plans are, how you're going to get there, and set some very specific goals. I will enroll in a faculty development course on this. I will take a course in this. I will do this. That gets you to your goals. And at the again, you'll use that when you go to meetings with leadership, but you'll also use it for yourself um, on that yearly or annual re- review and renewal. Um, to hold yourself accountable to see if you've done those things that you said you were going to do, and again, this comes back to if you really put the effort in up front and believe what you put in that learning contract, then you're going to adhere to it. If it's a superficial exercise that you really aren't engaged with, um, when you pull it out at a year, that's a, how much time you're going to put into it then as well too. So I think the bulk of this work comes up front. The maintenance is a little bit easier, but the maintenance is really important um, on a regular basis.
0: I think that, yeah, making that a practice seems like an important thing and, and incorporating it into one's life as a practice. Um, we've talked a little bit, we've touched on mentors or sponsors or you know su- supervisors or folks that might be either helping you or, or you to whom you report, Can you talk about how you integrate this personal work into the the relationships with these other folks?
1: Yeah, so let's start with uh, that mentor, that friend that's going to give you that caring, honest feedback. Um, I think incorporating or integrating someone like that early into this plan, while it's a work in progress and it's a draft that you can bounce things off of, um, you can go to and say, well, I'm thinking about this and they will tell you whether it's a good idea or not. Um, and it doesn't have to be one person. It could be a few different people. If it gets too diffuse though, then it's distributed ownership and people aren't quite as accountable. So, uh, it's good. I think to have one, maybe two, um, mm-hmm. that may play different roles. Then with regard to leadership, I think that's different. Um, because in this process, the leadership that individuals report to, they could have 70, 100 faculty. And what is it that makes you special among those 70 or 100? Well, it's getting that leader engaged in your career, getting them excited about what it is that you want to do so that during the year when things come up, they're aware this is something you might want to do. But also, if they're excited about where you want to go, it just differentiates you from the pack a bit, um, maybe gets a little more attention. I do make the point that this should not be part of the annual review you have with leadership. That's yeah. different. That's going over your clinical assessments, your med evaluations, those things. This needs to be a completely separate meeting that you set up and say I want to come in and talk about my career development and what it is that I need sort mentoring up as opposed to them calling you into the office for that annual review so,
0: so you would be suggesting to the faculty to seek out that separate time and say this is really about discussing my career development plan my academic yep. career development plan
1: yep and I'll tell people leadership is busy and if you come into the office with a half-baked idea as to what you want to do it's not going to be as well-received It is one that's well-articulated, thought out, um, some effort's been put into it. Um, and then I don't know a leader who wouldn't get engaged and want to help with that process.
0: Yeah, so I think that's another argument for spending the time up front yep. and, and using some some supportive resources to kind of refine your plan before you take it forward. I'm presuming you also want the input of the leader not just this you know rubber stamp which you have but also to yeah. give you some insights into it as well um the last thing that i wanted to ask you about which is i'm i think different people might have different takes on this i think if you ask someone to talk about their values their values probably don't just relate to the work that they do within the institution but have to do with their whole life yeah. and their family or the other things that bring them joy. And so I'm wondering if your advice usually is to incorporate those goals of kind of one's whole life or to not incorporate those goals of one's whole life. Cause we certainly all yep. have goals that happen both within the walls of the institution and outside the walls of the institution.
1: Yeah. So I'll be the first to say if your career goals don't integrate your family and consider all those things, then that's gonna create problems. Um, but on the other hand, this career plan is not your family's career plan, it's the individual faculty member's career plan. So what at least I advocate doing is working on that individual career plan up through a good chunk of it, um, but then when it comes down to really refining it, defining what meaningful work is, what you want to do, um, It's to go back to your family and say, is this going to work for all of us and figure out how family integrates in it? Because if they don't, then I think you need to start over again and figure out a career plan that that works for the whole family. But I don't think they should interfere much with the initial inward personal look at values and things that you want to set that foundation.
0: And presumably the people that are in your family have heard about, been part about, might help drive what those values are already, so. Yep,
1: a spouse at home could be a fantastic mentor.
0: Yeah. Um, I do think that 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 tension is there for lots of us as we try to figure out exactly where we're going next with our careers and with our lives. And so I think I like how there's some individual processing and then some collaborative processing, which seems really important. Anything else that you think are words of wisdom you want to tell folks as they think about kind of carving out this chunk of their time to invest in their own academic growth?
1: No, I think it would just be reiterating that put the time in up front and really think about it and then uh, use that strong foundation to build on things going forward. Uh, I think the hardest thing is that energy of activation and sitting down and doing it from the very beginning.
0: And I'm going to tell the folks who are listening that if you took the time to listen to this podcast, you've taken the first step to finding the motivation to invest in that process. So good luck. And I hope you advance and and try to do it. Um, Thanks so much, Rob. I really appreciate the conversation. I'm sure the listeners will learn a lot from the discussion. And for all of you to listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.uwmedicine.org. Thanks for listening and have a great day.